0: to the first episode of a currently unnamed, uh, unannounced, and certainly unrefined podcast brought to you here by the beautiful people here at Digital Ignite here in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I'm going to be talking today to two of the smartest people that I know in the field of marketing and advertising. We have one, Chris Clark and Mr. Mike Salmon. How are you guys doing today?
1: What is up? Austin, thank you so much. And I want to give a shout out back to... Austin Farnsworth and James Heaton, who are helping us out, do this. Two, two of our. We would be nothing without our team and two of the great team members. Chris Clark, what's going on today? Happy Friday.
2: Happy Friday, everybody. This is super wild to do this. Um, I'm going to just basically act like uh, I'm on a podcast that I listen to always. So um, I know this is crazy. This is awesome. But, you are no, the podcast. Stoked to be here with Mike, my business partner, and Austin and James. So looking forward to talking. And uh, guys, we've got a lot to talk about.
1: Hey, Chris Clark, before we get started, remember... Five years ago, when we were sitting in a closet, a bunch, of bunch of above a bunch of radio station reps, and we said one day we'll eventually be doing a podcast, telling them what's up.
2: Yeah, I did. I figured we might be at a pub, but uh, we're in our headquarters, which also is crazy because it's not above a radio station anymore. But we are doing something that is. Uh, actually kicking radio's butt right now and it's kind of awesome to be doing a podcast and we're going to actually talk a little bit about uh how traditionals failed and this digital revolution that we're kind of in and where it's going
1: yeah let me kind of set the table of we're going to cover five topics today uh the first four about 2020 what changed and uh number one how traditional broadcast and print um were exposed and and their their demise was hit with a huge catalyst Uh, Number two is how the Nielsen and Comscore modeling also failed, and they're scrambling to stay relevant at this point. Uh, We're going to talk about how data has made the difference to winning campaigns with our clients, with everybody on a general industry trend. And we're going to talk about why some brands overperform others. And last but not least, we're going to talk... Broadly about future trends and evolution, not only as a result of COVID and the coming recovery, but just technological trends in general. So Chris Clark, 2020, in your opinion, why why did traditional broadcast radio print out of home? Why why did it? Why did it underperform and, and fail most of its clients?
2: First off, uh, COVID nineteen, but uh, it actually has been kind of boiling up. I feel for the last few years to the last just evolution of this decade with social media, you know, streaming, all of these uh, new tactics and uh, products that people are using to consume media. But I feel like uh, these traditional, you know, entities have failed because they've they haven't taken the time to kind of prep themselves for it. You've seen uh, radio, uh, TV, and print um, with a death rattle, kind of with. How they're, you know, sending out collateral or pr- almost propaganda kind of poo pooing uh, where streaming's going or or where the the failures of a, um, a, a streaming audio platform or a OTT and CTV is going. So um, I'll I'll push it back to you in that because you've owned traditional stations in the past and now you own a progressive uh, digital platform or media y- company,
1: marketing technology company. So. You know, in, in my head, my vision, my world, which is unique to my own experiences, but I think it's very relevant to what we're talking about, what we bring to the table with our clients and the change that's happening. You know, my father and mother owned, owned radio stations. It was my first real job out of college. Um, and I always kind of thought, and it's not just radio, it's broadcast television television. It's, it's cable, it's, it's print, it's billboards. It's a bunch of bullshit. There's no other way to say it any differently than that. Literally, every sales rep I know, including so deep as somebody we talked about to yesterday that wants to apply for our job, all they want to do is identify a micro issue so they can solve that issue with a product they have prepackaged. And the product involves targeting a broad audience with a broad message that doesn't resonate with anybody. There's some ins and outs of that. You can have, you can have celebrity jock endorsements, but, but still, you know, to talk on a local level, there's, there's a hot AC station locally that they do a really good job. Um, the morning team does, I got a lot of respect for them, but the simple fact of the matter is you're communicating to, a broad audience. And when you look at radio in particular, when the lockdown happened, radio is consumed in your car and the vast majority of the population wasn't in their car. And when it came to broadcast television, I don't know about you, but the second the lockdowns happened, every time I turn on a major network, all I saw was negativity. And so I turned it off and my family turned it off. And all of a sudden we have all this content now that can be targeted and selected just for what you want to listen to. It's not just websites, it's video, it's display. And with the right partners, I'm gonna let Chris kind of dive into you know, the difference. Instead of buying a morning drive show or the evening news, you're able now to target people that you want to get in front of with a data-based approach and get in front of them wherever they go. So somebody that's in market for one of our clients that's that's coming on with us as a cooler company, if they're in market for a cooler, I don't care if they're watching CNN or Fox News. I can get the message in front of them. I don't care if they listen to the local morning zoo or if they're listening to Spotify. We can get in front of them. Chris, do you want to want to drill down? Yeah, and I was going to say, I
2: guess you know, with and it's not poo pooing the traditional entities, but it's honestly they've. You know, they've rebounded with jumping on board with streaming services. So, to that point, you know, whether it's a Fox or whether it's an ABC or an ESPN, you know, everybody is monetizing their own channel now. It's like looking at Netflix comes on the scenes with. You know no monetizable uh content you're paying for that subscription but you know now nbc pops up with peacock rips the office away rips all these other uh entities away and so they're finding monetizable ways to to you know kind of skin the cat and with that will come ad space uh but you know i really feel like with um with all of these entities it's all growing and it's all turning into you know one giant marketplace whether it's audio whether it's tv uh to mike's point you know we're going to be able to have ads served to us, uh, that are relative to us. And, and again, I think it's a lot of people are like, Oh man, they're listening to us. Well, in a way you opt in that data and we'll get into that in further and, uh, future podcasts. But you know, when you opt into that data, you're going to get messages and, and ads that are you know catered to you. And that's the beautiful thing in regards to your media nowadays as well. It's, it's at your fingertips. And with that being said, you know, it's it's the days of of getting told and, and people Mike, I think you nailed it. it's like people don't want to turn on the TV and get scared to death. and we're at a time right now in early 2021 where it's insane with everything you turn on is negativity. So why just you know pause uh, the the live television or cut the the cable like I did myself and turn on uh, again Roku Hulu, turn on uh, again an ESPN or whatever that is. And, and watch what I want at my fingertips. And I think where Digital Ignite is right now, um, and at least people in the digital marketing space, we're, we're in a positive uh, time period post-2020 because we have the ability to help clients and brands serve their messages to these masses that have, have switched over there. There's there's a couple numbers that I was looking at earlier. Um you know, and not only the emergence of streaming services, but with platforms like YouTube and TikTok, um, Snapchat, uh, the Instagram stories, you've got, uh, you know, fleets on, on Twitter, but video continues to become more and more popular. And, and I, I said this stat so many years ago, but it was like always 80% of what you are going to consume is going to be video. Well, look at it now. And it says there was a study done by eMarketer and it says video ad spend is going to grow to $14.89 billion in 2021. And, and again, a couple years ago, it was down to eight point two one billion, so I mean that's a it's an insane amount of jump and then also it's it this is huge for for brands and clients like us it's it's videos not only now just trying to be a top level mind. It's people are brands are using this for bottle bottom of funnel. So it's like 76% of adults in the US, UK and Australia have purchased a product after viewing a video. And I feel like think of your own consumption. It's post Christmas here. I feel like most of the things that I went on and bought was because of a Instagram ad or a shopping, uh, you know, thing that I saw through Facebook clicked it and boom, that product's right there. So, um, you know, Post 2020 and what happened in 2020, I think that, you know, there are a lot of entities, networks, companies and things that failed. But with that, uh, you know, people are rising out of the ashes and a lot of cool things have evolved, but if you, in the digital atmosphere, things have just, that's where you've become. And, and I feel like that's now digital marketing is just marketing and the way that we consume media and, and we, uh, buy products or, or talk to people. It's all through these digital devices. I just rambled.
1: Yeah, you know, and I I think you made a bunch of great points. Um, You know, and the other thing I want to I want to tie back, you know, anybody that's listening to this, you know, as you're making decisions on what to go next with your marketing strategy. How many people do you know consume entertainment by appointment? And what I mean is, you know, I'm going to watch American Idol at eight o'clock every Tuesday. The only demo that really does that anymore is the boomer demo, which is fine. There's no reason to change in front of them. It's twofold. If you're buying media based off appointment based viewing, you're you're rejecting the majority of your audience under 50 because they just don't do it. My house doesn't do it. Chris, is your house do
2: it? No, you're on your cell phone.
1: James, does your house do it? Austin, does your house do it?
2: Absolutely
1: not. No, I know there are houses that do do it. The point being is, again, instead of buying that broad message, you can get the same inventory and the same content delivered to your buyer based off the patterns and trends of your buyers, not based off of the audience. Of whatever NBC has at
2: that time Well, let's say if you're a if you're a decision maker right now you're hearing that right there you're you're using a sniper approach to serve a message or sell your product to somebody so the benefits of this is absolutely being able to to use data and hone in and, and think smarter you know uh not harder with that but um but yeah, and, and I'd guess to Austin and James, who, again, Mike and I, we're not necessarily the youngest people in the world, but you guys, again, being in your mid-20s, um, post-college, how do, I mean, what do you all use in regards to media consumption? I mean, like, how do you watch TV, if we want to call it TV, or is it is it through a laptop? Like, what do you guys do?
0: Yeah, I, I don't watch TV anymore, Yeah. to be honest. I mean, if, I, <laughs> yeah. if I'm watching a show, I'm watching it through, like, a, a Hulu or... I'm not watching a movie through like a YouTube or an Amazon or something like that. Right. But but no, I mean, earlier we, we said that um, in 2020, a lot of these platforms sort of underperformed because maybe, maybe things were a little bit too negative or people just were adverse to it. I I would take it a step further and say that this has been a long talk coming that like, sure that these sort of on demand platforms are, are going to overtake traditional media as we know it. And that there, there really isn't like a, a going backwards now. Like these are just superior products. Like, Being able to subscribe to a service and then have it curate your media for you such that you could, at all times, at any point throughout the day, be absorbing something that you wanted to absorb.
2: Sign me up all day. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Just
0: infinitely better than like like Mike said, having to schedule something out ahead of time or have to DVR have
2: to the wait for time. the six p.m. news yeah, when yeah, I can exactly. just go on Twitter or so services yeah. like a
0: radio station or like a TV channel that used to curate things for you. They don't have to do that, or, or that's not that's not necessary for you as a consumer anymore because you you're getting your curation through an algorithm that understands you better than any like demographic based understanding. Absolutely. yeah,
1: And let me make a comment because you know the the. <sighs> This is going to sound terrible. But it's the truth, but the the biggest dinosaur in the room is is your newspaper, and you know it, it seems with
2: what's a newspaper?
1: Well, you know I'm I'm going to make a comment. You know on my on my feeds and in my circle, it's like the only people that are super bullish on newspapers, broadcast radio and broadcast television are people that own or are employed by those entities. You ask anybody else, they're like either they're eh, or they're heck no, but newspaper when i was growing up in the 80s you know it was if something happened in the community you know there would be live break-ins on the radio station we lived in a smaller town but the big summary and the big the big write-up the big closing comment would be in this little local print publication that came out three times a week so You know, they went there for the funnies and the comics and stuff. The town I grew up in didn't even have funnies. But I mean, (laughs) we can we can draw back to the Post and Courier locally or the Las Vegas Review Journal. One of my other towns I call home, the Chicago Tribune, even, you know, the problem is right now, if something happens, I don't care if your community is small or large. The reason you're buying print back in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, even today, is you want to have your message near that hype story or that you know whether you're listening whether you're there for the news or whether you're there for an emotional heartstring piece about how johnny who was in a wheelchair or jane and all of a sudden they can walk again um you know you're you're buying print to be next to that story the problem with that and one of the things that happened this year is news broke constantly at a rapid pace as people were getting online and even if the post and courier here locally would carry the story. There was a paywall that was keeping people out in front of it, but now there's technology and I'm not, this is not about this pitching what we can do, but you know, you can trigger You can Google COVID cases in South Carolina and looking for the story. And instead of buying AdWords or buying the story that comes with it, that can be a triggering mechanism to get ads in front of your people. So if you, for example, one of our clients was selling rapid tests and one of the ways we activated their ad set was any but time somebody searched in any engine or any social media channel, COVID cases, COVID symptoms, and it wasn't about paid search, it was in their organic travel, their Facebook feed, their YouTube videos, whatever it came down to, wherever they went for the next couple of days, we got rapid test ads in front of them. And, and, and that's what a, you know, when it comes to maximizing your spend and your product, it's not about what worked 30 years ago. It's about what's relevant now. And that's that's the biggest takeaway, I think, for 2020 is a lot of people did stuff because they always did it, but they kind of knew in the back of their head as eh, really doesn't work anymore. Well, now it's been flushed. And, and, you know, you take my word or you can argue me, but just look at the publicly traded revenue and, and all the bloodletting that happened and then compare it, you know, to big progressive... Agencies like us, like VaynerMedia, like Steelhouse, and one side thrived and the other one collapsed.
0: Yeah.
2: A year of earning out inefficiencies. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Um, I guess getting kind of back again um, or wrapping up why advertising changed in 2020, I feel like most of us kind of saw a lot of reasons why, whether it was political, whether it was covid Um, uh, but the, the big thing for us and at least, uh, for individuals that aren't familiar with, again, uh, the, the digital advertising space, you don't even have to be, you are living it now. Um, just the way that you consume media is rapidly different than you did. Um, even a year ago and, and not saying that you're not still doing what you did a year ago, uh, but maybe you were introduced to TikTok. Like I'm 31 years old and uh, yeah, you know, own a digital advertising agency. So I feel like we need to know what TikTok is, but I don't consume TikTok. But uh, one of the craziest stats that we found over over the quarantine or the COVID, uh, you know, initial outbreak into where we are here in early 2021 is that, you know, the the second largest age demographic of individuals was like the, the 30 to 44 plus, you know, crowd. And what are these people doing? They're stuck at home with their kids or they're bored. Uh, So they're immersing themselves with new applications, new ways of entertainment. And with those new ways of entertainment are going to come ways to uh, market to these individuals. So again, that's one thing that here at this agency, at least we're always going to be looking to kind of utilize and look for what is that new hot app. Because even if you know, we put a brand out there, we put a client out there and we strike out. At least we can, you know, bring a client to those masses and look at TikTok. You know, a couple of years ago, it's just little tweens dancing. And now, again, it's it's one of the biggest, you know, forefront apps there. You know, the president looked to ban it. Now look where it's at, you know. 100%. The next point that kind of lead in here, Chris, that, that
1: I thought we would all talk about today. And James, if you'd be so kind, I... um. I wrote an article about this right after the election, and I tied back in, you know, how, how bad exit polling and nationwide polling has failed us over the last, you know, basically since 2000, my adult life. How it's always wrong, and it creates a lot of chaos, and um, if it was accurate, it would be accurate, but it's not, and we, we as a society, <clears throat> allow... And this isn't a spin one side or the other, it's just factually the numbers are wrong beyond a margin of error time and time again because a thousand people, no matter how diverse it is, does not represent 330 million. And we're gonna post a link in our comments section um, because when it comes to marketing technology, the exit poll of our industry has always been Nielsen surveys. Um, And this is my opinion. It is one of the most corrupt Things that the industry and its its consumers have tolerated. I remember back when I was trained on it the first time in 2002 out in Las Vegas. They literally had to sit through a of video on how they would do weighted polling and weighted surveying. So even if they couldn't get what they consider critical mass, which was a fraction of a percent of the population, they would let one person's voice account for. 10 20 percent of the marketplace at times it's it's obscene it's inaccurate and it's dishonest um and it's the exact opposite of what we do here at digital ignite however what traditional media has done and has been allowed to do and as consumers and customers we've allowed them to do it for generations is to take random numbers that mean nothing at scale and tell a story behind it and it's so bad that when I was trained and peers I had the industry we would joke about how the reps from some of these agencies would say but the great thing is if you mess with the numbers enough you can tell any story you want so yeah
2: but if it's on Facebook it's real
1: it says nothing (laughs) to do with Facebook this is this is all about how your evening news is sold and and what's allowed to stay and what's not. And you think about the the ramifications it's had over the years as one newscaster or one, you know, entertainment figure has been allowed to stay in the air versus another. I mean, this is I don't know, I think there's some soul searching that some not our company, but I think some of the some of the industry has to do on itself. Um but Chris, walk me through, you know, how a good solid Martech company, you know, where Whereas your local TV station, will say based off these thousand people, we determine that 9% of the marketplace is watching our TV at any, our station at any given time.
2: How do we do things and how do companies like us do things differently than that model? Well, I guess for the first standpoint, it's, we're looking to kind of look at data from instead of just a, a media monitoring service or uh, a, a cable box monitor or, or whatever you're using, uh, those Nielsen monitors for the radio side of things, we're using people's actual, uh, well, I'll go into this analogy, like data here is the new oil to us. And we feel that, um, and we know that everywhere you go on a, the internet, a device, you're leaving that little fingerprint and, and companies, and again, Nielsen and Comscore are, are included in this, but they're definitely some of the oldest entities out there so they're trying to jump in with these new kids on the block whether it's oracle you know blue kai by oracle gum gum all of those other little uh entities and exchanges out there but basically these little companies are siloing our data everywhere and and for us um we're going to look at third-party data which that data is the data that is getting siloed or first-party data so meaning if we go and work with a company we're going to look at those sales and and look at the different types of sales, depending on what kind of vertical we're looking at. But, we're going to look at the makeup of what made these individuals become a prospect or a, a, a sale in the first place. And we're going to look at that quantitative and, and qualitative data there to look up at just not only the makeup of like their income level or their you know gender type or whatnot. We're going to look at what these people are consuming, what they're doing right now to get an overall makeup and use an algorithmic approach to start serving messages and media to these individuals. So as opposed to. I guess, utilizing, like you said, Mike, what Comscore Nielsen is kind of telling us based off of X amount of people and this is their, we're gathering this just because they're watching, let's say it's like Comcast, you know, and we're only gathering a pool of people that have been on a Comcast, uh, you know, box. What we're looking to do is use the internet and use the internet as a whole to uh, find out, again, what makes these individuals a potential customer. And so I think, again, for me, I, I'm not prone to you, Mike, as, uh, you know, the traditional entities with Comscore and Nielsen. But I know for me as a marketer and us with brands uh, compared to a traditional entity or a TV station that is using a Comscore or a Nielsen, um, we've got a bigger toolbox to play with. And and I feel like that's because of our partnerships with numerous demand side platforms, data management platforms, data providers, and uh, social platforms. And I know uh, a lot of people can look at different social platforms, uh, you know, as positives or negatives. But the, the, the fact is everybody has one or multiple and your data is getting sold. And for us, it's using the data the right way as opposed to the wrong way um, in an ethical way and and using that to target people with advertising in a much smarter way.
1: Let me let me take it to the next point then here. And, and Chris, let's let's call this pick Chris Clark's brain. Sick. So let's go. I want to bring this back. Because, you know, one, one of our fatal flaws, you and I both, is we can geek out too much. So let's bring this back to a real-world experience. I've got two use cases. One, I would like to talk about one of our great new clients from last year, Hoover TTI. Uh, Hoover is the OEM manufacturer of Hoover, Orc, and Dirt Devil, and it's one of our very proud partners. Shout out. Shout out. Great team up there. Whoop. Um, Hoover.com. Get yourself smart wash. a smart wash pet or a one power evolve today you'll love it trust me my whole family has them they love it so i have two two things i'd like you to roll through and you can pick which order you go through i'd like you to explain how we use data hoover was using traditionally cable buys yeah and how using data in a targeted approach we were able to raise our black friday sales year over year 66 percent walk me through from a baseline without giving any secret sauce away what happened there and do me a favor let's make up even though it's not necessarily our client but there are people out here we want to educate the masses if you owned a frozen yogurt stand in mount pleasant south carolina or ankeny iowa or los angeles california and you know you you know your target buyer is is heads of households with kids and you've got the local radio station pitching the morning zoo, and you've got the local TV station pitching the evening news. Can you walk us through a what what we did differently with Hoover, and then b how a smaller business would would approach a data set and make a more micro-targeted decision for attribution?
2: All right, we'll start with the first one, and then I may have to have you replay the second question. But with Hoover, um, and and again, this is not they weren't doing anything wrong. I feel like this is just the education of agencies that are out there are larger entities and we're not going to name the agency or entity they're working with but it was a international you know media conglomerate and they were basically doing long form tv if you weren't familiar with long form tv uh, you know anytime that you are up at three in the morning eating taco bell before you fall asleep from the bars or you're up really early about to go to the gym because you're you're athletic and and starting the day right there's a uh, infomercials or long form tv that play for 30 to 60 minutes
1: what if it's both what if you're...
2: it could be both yeah you're a heck of a person <laughs> man a yeah exactly but yeah no it those are those commercials that play for 30 minutes to an hour and they're promoting a product and everybody's seen one to me it was funny because we're working with the we're working with tti that has Oric is one of their brands and growing up i always thought of the older Oric gentlemen that would be on TV in his suit, bald and, and you know vacuuming the floor and whatnot. And so um, when we had spoke with the team over there um, and kind of what they were currently or what they were doing before we kind of partnered up with them, uh, they were running a bunch of long form. And again, they were doing a bunch of other digital assets. But for, for what we saw and what we felt would be a better use of, of their budget was to take that long form and condense it into digestible uh, video and, and listen we're all goldfish our attention spans are like five to eight seconds if that so you got to hit people with really really catchy and, and 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 engaging content right off the bat and so um, we had worked with their team on like I said kind of cutting all of that that long form up into really cool digestible 6 15 30 uh, even 60 second entities and we went into the OTT and CTV uh, realm and and where that is a benefit as opposed to the long form is that long form is getting run on maybe a specific channel. Let's say it's AMC at, you know, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. or 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. You're not going after people with a specific in the product that we're promoting is, is targeting, you know, pet owners or, or people that have carpet. And so think of who you're targeting at those time periods with a long form television ad and think of how many more people you're missing with that so if you're spending x amount of money at that time period and 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 lord knows how many people are actually looking to buy that product at that time um what we're looking to do on the flip side is take this and 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 put it onto an ott ctv place where if you are a pet owner or if you make a certain income level can i ask you a question can you define ott and ctv for anybody that might not know The difference between CTV and OTT. CTV is connected television. So connected television is that smart television that is sitting on your wall right now. And so from it, I have a Roku TV, so I turn it on and I can power my TV through Roku and different applications there. Um, You can watch advertisements on it. Sometimes they can be uh, engaging, but for the most part, you're using CTV for a brand awareness play. But the beauty of it is, is that you are able to target people that are Watching specific apps or uh, have specific behaviors, so you're layering data onto it. Like, let's say uh, we're trying to target a female demographic in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we could go and target females that are streaming in a, a connected television. So, Chris, does does it matter what they're watching? Is it about the people or is it about the network? No, it, it, at this point, it's it's totally about the the individual. And so, at that point, you're looking to scour whether it is. Again, if, if your streaming application, let's say you're on Pluto and there's different uh, content or, or TV shows or movies. If you are a female, hypothetically, at that time, we were going to serve that to you as opposed to restricting you to NBC at 6 p.m. So just as a hypo- hypothetical, because I know
1: we have a lot of people that are learning listening to this. If I was a small business owner and I couldn't afford to buy two TV stations, even though I needed to and you had you had the newscast on the NBC affiliate and you had the newscast on the ABC affiliate and if you were targeting females and they were watching it on a streaming service you would in theory be able to hit both of them regardless of the network correct
2: yep absolutely interesting yeah ott and ctv are are the future so With that being said, OTT, OTT means over the top, Uh, OTT basically it's a streaming media service uh, directly directly to viewers via the internet. So as opposed to the CTV, which is stuck into your wall, OTT is like watching uh, the ESPN app or the ABC app through your cell phone or your tablet, even your laptop, technically. I mean, if you've got the application on there and loaded up. So that would be the advertising that is being served to you on there. Now, again, to set the standard there, certain... Subscriptions and platforms don't have ads, so that's why you pay $15, $16 for Netflix. Um, but with that being said, with the amount of individuals going over to cord cutting and the free services that are out there, the, the uh, potential to serve awesome inventory and advertising to people through the service is great and OTT is pretty cool because again if you're on your cell phone and there's a call to action or a uh, companion ad that would pop up with it or a specific call to action in the ad you could actually engage in it so there is a clickable action uh, but we're not looking at CTV and OTT technically to be a bottom of the funnel product it's great for brand awareness but as the future evolves and advertising evolves look for uh, this video content to uh, be very engaging to actually you know know look to buy products through it but that's that's down the line
1: so great answer how can we tie that back into Hoover which you were pretty in pretty in-depth with before I yeah. ask for the explanation. So
2: with Hoover, again, we, we took their long-form TV commercials, so 30 and 60, worked with their productions teams and came up with an overall strategy to kind of work, again, placing it within CTV and OTT. And so basically what we were looking to do is go and target people that would fit the the mold to buy these specific vacuums. And again, we're looking at uh, uh, pet owners for one of these specific vacuums. So for us to go and place their ad within OTT and CTV, we can go and place it within uh, in targeting individuals that, again, they own pets. And how do we find these individuals? Uh, Because you're leaving that little fingerprint across the Internet. So we're going to be able to go based off your shopping habits, your posting habits on the Internet, all of that. We're going to be able to find that individual across the country and serve that 30 second, 60 second ad right to that individual. So right there, effectively, you're using the marketing dollars much smarter as opposed to targeting the masses Um, yeah, I remember back in my traditional media days
1: and, and literally, you know, like I said, I'm not saying it was right, but you know, you're always trained if things were going good to take all the credit, if you sold them a schedule and things were going bad, blame everybody else, but yourself, how, you know, from a digital standpoint, you know, Hoover, we claim Hoover went up 66% year over year. How do we know that? How does that work?
2: attribution. Can you give me a quick rundown of that? The beautiful thing about digital marketing is attribution. So as opposed to a TV ad or a radio ad or a print ad, and again, not saying you can't track attribution on that. Um, but the beautiful thing about digital is the transparency. And so through, um, placing specific pixelization and working with the Hoover team and their e-commerce team, we have been able to kind of map out journeys of individuals uh, that are consuming our media and buying these products. Now, earlier I said CTV and OTT aren't necessarily a bottom funnel product, but, uh, they can lead to that. So meaning, uh, if I see an ad at my house on my connected TV, CTV, um, and I'm not necessarily interested right there, but it's piqued my interest. Uh, We can basically let loose a product, and we do this with most of our products, called cross-device optimization. Cross-device optimization means our technology is going to go into that house and find the other devices that are connected to that specific Wi-Fi, and then you can serve different creative assets to it. So if I'm watching that, television commercial for the hoover ad and it pops up and then all of a sudden um it goes through my wi-fi and boom i'm on facebook because we're running a facebook uh, campaign i can be subject to that ad and right there that's where we're driving bottom or closer to the bottom of the funnel because that's going to have a call to action to buy the product right there Uh, it's going to give me the ability to click through and go look at the product um, or it'll it'll open the door to other hoover products so the beautiful thing again about cross device optimization is even if I'm getting served an ad right off the bat, let's say I went to the Hoover website before I even saw that TV ad and I did not buy that product. I still have the opportunity to get that ad back on my CTV and OTT or you know wherever I am streaming um, because of the cross-device optimization and the pixelization. But in regards to the attribution, all of our platforms that we're going to be using social or programmatically, with those pixels, we're going to be able to capture the, the sales data that is going to be passed back after somebody clicks the ad, selects how many ever units they want. Passes that information back to the Hoover team and it becomes a sell. And so um, being able to kind of see what they did on Black Friday was was awesome. Um, for us, it's uh, it's a heck of a case study, but it, it really goes to show the power of digital marketing because of the transparency.
1: I love it. And as a result, we can prove case in point that we had that ri- rise year over year and that they've had a beyond successful second half of the year with us. Absolutely. That's fantastic, and once again, shout out to the Hoover team. I mm-hmm. want to take five minutes if I can now, and have you and all your your evil genius talk to the store owner in my hometown of Princeton, Illinois. The the home the owner in your hometown of Roanoke, Virginia. Any of our friends over in Charleston or Mont Pleasant that may not necessarily be our client, but they know what they're doing right now needs to change and it has to change now. I'm talking to somebody that has put their heart and soul into a retail project in Las Vegas, Nevada, New York City, any type of business, any client-facing business. Chris, they're getting right now. They only have enough budget. They have traditionally bought networks or broadcast. They're tight. They know they have to get the word out there. They have four or five different entities hitting them up. They only have enough for one. They don't know what to do how does looking outside that box and approaching thing differently, how, how would that work for them?
2: Well, I guess if it's from a local standpoint, they're probably from these other entities getting pitched, uh, you know, packages or products. And I think the difference from us would be, you kind of sit down and and it's the CNA that's first. It's kind of, and Mike's coined this, it's like, what keeps you up at night? And for us, I think that separates us from a lot of other people is listening. And again, it's not like this is groundbreaking, uh, you know, techniques, but if you sit down and you listen to what this individual or company's goals are up front, you know, you're going to be able to identify, um, a a great starting point. And I feel like for us to be able to sit down and listen to what they're looking to do, um, again, if it's a, it's a business that's got any type of sales, uh, data, you know, for us, we can kind of take a look at on top of their goals. What's that data look like? And from there with that data kind of put together a strategic plan. And so for us, you know, I don't want to come in there and just throw out numbers. We want to see what those goals are, what, what they've been doing current or, you know, in the past marketing wise and what that budget was, because with digital marketing, um, you know, we've been kind of kicked in the teeth over the last six, seven years before with working with smaller clients, that this is their livelihood. This is, this is all the money in the world in them. And, and they want to make sure that, that it's getting, you know, again, used, uh, to drive, drive those sales, drive those people in the door. And I feel, with this type of marketing as opposed to putting an ad on a billboard a radio station or a tv and again nothing wrong with it but you're targeting the masses and so when you have a smaller budget you need to hone that in and hone it in by targeting a different demographic and i'll get pushback i'm sure from a radio station because they can say well you know you can target certain demographics but listen you know not every uh you know mom that is is got three kids and, and a household income of $150,000 is listening to top 40 radio, you know? And so for, for us, it's going to be awesome. You know, or it is awesome to be able to sit down and listen to what this client needs, be able to identify that budget and then tell them, okay, well maybe you don't have enough to do everything. So let's just put you on a Facebook and Instagram and hone in on that target right there to just give you that lift. So I really think again, the, the the few things that separate us and what you should look at before you even go live or or start with a a client is to listen to them, hear what their goals are, understand what that budget is, and then set the expectations. Because again, if you're looking to sell a thousand units of a product and you only have $1,500, You know, you're shooting for the moon there and and, and you got to set those expectations because a lot of individuals have no clue, you know, what they're doing with with this digital marketing. It's crazy how many people would say, hey, I posted something on Facebook and it, it didn't work. And it's like, well, what did you do? And they said, well, I just posted it on my wall it's like, okay, okay, how many followers do you have? And they're like, well, that's the point. And it's like, okay, well, we actually need to sit down and kind of rethink all of this. And I'd say uh, that's nothing wrong. It is just, this is, it's a new world that we're in. Um, And and a lot of individuals and companies and brands have been sold marketing a certain way. And now it's kind of, hey, let's hold your hand and guide you at least to to where you should be in 2021.
1: Yeah. And I want to make a comment and you shouldn't be intimidated with all these changes, but Anybody that tells you this is easy, you should you should keep an arm's length from them. Or if they know everything. And if they know everything. So the one the one truth I've learned over the seven year journey I've had with you, Chris, almost seven years now. Yeah. Is there's been a lot of people in our circle and a lot of people we've competed competed with, not so much now, which is a blessing, but they're still out there that think what we do is easy. And they look at their own and it generally is, again, these resellers of broadcasts that are now selling digital or it's somebody that, you know, there's no barrier to entry in this business. Somebody that pops up as the new social media expert that's working out of their garage. They might be great, but they're probably not. And if they say this is easy, they say it's one size fits all. You need to be very cautious Because there's no barrier to entry to this industry so a lot of people can get in, but these people turn time and time again. And unfortunately, a lot of these people wear the hat of a seasoned marketing veteran that has no idea what they're doing in this new world. And and through their own ego, they will not adapt or learn or be humble enough to understand that things have changed. And that if you approach this like you would a radio, TV, newspaper buy, you're going to get crushed and should, should we drop a truth nugget for our small business owners that might be suffering right now? Sure, just don't name names. I'm not naming any names. But one little inside scoop, and you got to find the right agency. We're very good at this, but there's they're out there. If you think you have to be tied into a local entity, and there are times where that's a good reason, but you don't have the budget for it anymore, the vast majority of media companies because they can't sell their inventory out monetize their inventory through open exchanges like google OpenX, facebook if you partner with the right company you can actually for pennies on the dollar get your message in front of those people it could be video it could be audio it could be display on their inventory that they can't sell via their sales reps and ladies and gentlemen, to the T, this is every single media outlet. There's more inventory than it's mathematically possible for them to sell out. Does that make sense, Chris? So again, I'm not looking to break anybody. But if times are tough and you need this, there are alternatives out there. So um, I know this entire podcast is about change and evolution. So it can have a direct context to it. It's really not what we're about. We actually do some fill on traditional media. It's rare. But it's about educating everybody that there are better alternatives out there right now, today, for anybody with any budget than what's been done.
0: Yeah, I want to create like a sense of urgency in anybody who's listening because the, the stuff that we're talking about in terms of delivering these ads specifically to only your audience via data and being able to get attribution back, like this stuff is modern. This isn't right. stuff that's upcoming. This isn't on the horizon. This isn't the future. This is this is now. This is something that you have to be able
2: to do. Well, and that's actually to come full circle is kind of why I feel a lot of the traditional entities have failed in 2020 is because they all knew that it was coming. They just haven't. Uh, or we're ignorant to taking the steps to get there. And that's why I think we have gone from a a smaller, you know, regional agency to a national international agency is because uh, of just that we've evolved, we've, we've looked to be different than what the, the norm was, we've thought outside of the box. And even by thinking outside of the box, it's not like we've created or we've created something new, we're using tools that are out there we're just thinking differently and uh I don't want to go too much more into the secret sauce but that is why these these people failed they've just failed to catch up to the times.
1: And to give Austin a total shout out, he's not just our director today, but he's also one of our ad tech wizards that um are doing this on a day-to-day basis. So he's he's extremely versed. If you ever get a chance to talk to him, pick his brain. He's very good at what he does. Um I want to go into one more point before we look at forward forward looking um you know we've talked about media but from a business standpoint any business owner listening to this right now we did it i know a lot of our clients have done it you have to right now it's january fifteenth, 2021 right now think back to 365 days ago how much has changed if you're not evolving your model you're taking extreme exposure I'm going to use Uber Eats as an example. Uber obviously crashed, and what did Uber Eats do? They pivoted. They created a market where there was none. And guys, I didn't use. I use Uber Eats like twice before the lockdown. I use it every day now. Sometimes oh, twice a day. Sometimes twice yeah. a day.
0: Yeah, imagine being Uber Eats or Instacart
1: right now. Crazy. Like Instacart sponsored by Uber Eats. So, Shout so out. what does that mean for your business? Yeah, Uber Eats give us money. so so what does that mean for your business well this is when we talk to a new client it depends you know it's it's a conversation there's no one size fits all but if you're retail i mean in my head it's it's if you don't have an e-commerce presence get one now get one five minutes ago make it like your business depends on it because it might things will get back to normal but they will never be completely normal always happens after every recession new titans are born people that refuse to change look at everything that happened in 2010 i know i know james and austin are a little young for that chris i think you're a little young too but i look at all the changes that happened from that i could do a whole po- podcast just on this if you don't think that that fallout and evolution has not started off of what we just went through you're, you're not paying attention so from one biz- business owner to anybody else listening out there look 20 moves deep and be thinking from your operational side, from your, your acquisition side, from your revenue side, what you need to do, not only to stay ahead of the market right now, but with what comes next. And the cool thing about this is there's a bunch of very affordable technology that's come to the marketplace to assist you with this. So, Chris, last point. Yeah. From our side, from a marketing technology space what do we see over the next five years? What are what are we geeking out on?
2: Well, I, I that's actually five years is broad, but we'll go just into 2021 because I'm sure in five years, what you do now and what we're using now is going to be completely different. We'll probably be looking through the failed Google Glass, but it'll actually be something that's much better than Google Glass. It's probably like Elon Musk will be injecting microchips into our head and, and doing everything through that.
1: It's January 15th, 2021. I'm going to make you a bet for dinner at a Hall's Chop House. All right. You up for it? Yeah. By January 15th, 2026, you and I, we're, we're forward-looking people. We won't have cell phones. We'll have AR glasses to replace them. Probably if I'm right, you buy I'd me dinner. If, if it's not, I'll buy you dinner.
2: We'll buy it through Bitcoin, and you'll have to ingest it through a pill. That's, you put that's it in microwave. That's like the another podcast
1: element. within itself right there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, and um, James and
1: Austin, you guys just get to come with for the ride. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, th- I think I'm taking the the Chris side. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seeing the the Google Glass. Maybe I'm- we'll see. I don't man. think it's going to be Google it Glass. Be- I sure, think.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be. And I'll tell you why I'm bullish on it. Because the one okay. thing I want to talk about, and everybody listen, if you haven't tried it, you need to. The new Oculus, game oh. changer, guys, game changer. And we're looking at our our creative team. It's a couple years out, but we're looking at. Instead of having web pages, having virtual domains for our clients, and it's happening faster than you think, obviously the younger generation picks it up first. But I'm telling you, if you if you think I'm high right now, pick up an Oculus Quest or an Oculus Rift, get on there and just try the free stuff. It'll blow your mind.
2: It will blow your mind. That's not an ad for Facebook. So, yeah, for 2021, there's a lot of uh, pretty cool tactics that are coming out in marketing that have kind of uh, been a, a I guess a reason or not even a reason, but have, have popped up from 2020. And I, I feel like the, the, the number one, uh, trend for 2021 is going to be user generated content. So for 2021, lots of trends popping up, user generated content would be number one, take a look at how you use, uh, all of the applications that are out there right now and, and how brands are reaching people. They like, we'll look at quarantine people have been stuck at home filming videos themselves brands are now taking content that that their users or 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 their their product buyers are tagging stuff in and they're regenerating this back out there and 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 i'd say as a consumer you see this it relates more to you it's going to make you feel a little bit you know uh again relatable to that brand and that product it's going to probably make you take a little bit of a deeper dive at it or at least follow them on instagram um second would be branded content um funny enough, but to that point, user generated content is again, more of you filming it gorilla style from your phone, Branded content where this is going to stand out, you're going to see some of these bigger brands and this is where they'll step away from uh, some of the smaller brands is higher quality of content. So um, you're going to start seeing like a Taco Bell is a perfect uh, example of this for those. I guess they're nacho fries, but that dude from Stranger Things and the girl from Modern Family are the actors in it. But it's like a spoof of a horror movie for these french fries and it's a 30 second commercial right there uh movie quality uh production for a 30 second two dollar product at taco bell great use of branded content of a high quality of content um social commerce i feel like that's uh if you've been locked down or just in the last six months on any type of instagram uh, feed you've been hounded by social commerce to me i'm not saying hounded is a bad thing i actually feel like i've bought Majority of the stuff that I own in the last six months off of this because of how great the algorithms work and how great data is because again, if you're looking at a like minded product and something better pops up and follows you I'm all for that. Um, and, And that's again how the world's going. Uh, Brand activism. Uh, This is another thing that you've seen, and we're not going to delve too much into it, but uh, you've seen brands evolve and take a stand, and you've seen the power of that. And so, um, you know, not here to tell you what's right and what's wrong, but you're going to see brands uh, really step up and and, and take a stand. And again, you're going to lose certain people, but you're also going to gain a lot of followings. You'll see like Nike doing that with the Colin Kaepernick stuff uh, back in the day. Yeti coolers getting hounded a couple years ago as well. So uh, brand activism, brand activism, there's an visit ugh, brand brand activism and core values you'll see there. Um, and probably last is, uh, you know, nostalgia marketing. This is something that I think is, uh, relatively newer topic it's never gone away because you see nostalgia popping up left and right with reboots um you know with movies and tv shows but um i think of this perfectly with uh dirt devil actually um since it is one of the the brands that are under tti but if you think back to the movie hocus pocus um there's a scene where all the witches are in the uh fake devils uh the the guy that's dressed up as a devil in the living room and on the tv there's a dirt devil ad or uh whatnot of a little kid in a Scroller rolling around and to me like nostalgia of that commercial or seeing it in that show these are things that brands can start repurposing you know uh where's the beef you know from probably back in mike's day with that lady but you know um you know regurgitating uh everything or rebrand or not rebranding but you know uh bringing back uh different fads and different, uh, pop culture things from, from back in the day, uh, is going to be a big thing with nostalgia marketing. And I guess I did, I lied one last little thing and and everybody's seen this is going live. So brands going live and whether that's having a bigger influencer or like if you follow T-Mobile, their CEO is all about themselves, you know, and, and it's all about the brand, but these people are going live on behalf of brands or brands, uh, have influencer type ceos or owners that are swaying people so much um, that they they drive a large following and i mean look at it this way kim kardashian who has i don't know how many followers on you know instagram if she is sponsoring some makeup brand um and she could use her powers for a lot more good but if she went on there live with 200 million followers think how much that's going to sway uh product sales so that's my 2021 tidbits uh but yeah Hey, guys, this was so – I think this was such a
1: good first podcast. Um, I want to thank James and Austin. Chris, thank you for your knowledge. To everybody listening out there, if if you need a marketing technology partner that cares about you and your problems, not a package, look us up at digital-ignite.com. That's digital-ignite.com. Dash is a hyphen symbol. Link in the uh, description. We would love to talk. Whether we're a good fit or not, just to engage and give you some ideas. That's what we do. We love it. To everybody out there, be well, take care of each other, and we'll see you in a week.
0: Peace.